If I were a betting man, then I would be willing to bet that I am the only person who is preaching on this text this morning. Not only is this text not the one assigned for the fourth Sunday of Advent this year, it's actually never assigned anywhere. It doesn't appear in the lectionary at all. So if somebody actually wants to preach on it, they have to go out of their way in order to do so. And that's a shame. Because I think that this text, especially on this Sunday and in this service, holds something very important for us. John, of course, gets top billing here. It's his birthday and his bris, after all. But for me, I think his dad, Zechariah, is the more interesting character. Zechariah, if you recall, is a priest. And we had first met him earlier in this chapter while he was making an offering in the temple. Suddenly, as he is standing there next to the altar, he sees the angel Gabriel in front of him who tells him that Elizabeth, his wife, is going to bear a son and that that son's name is supposed to be John. Zechariah, however, doubts. How can I trust you in this, he asks. I'm an old guy, and my wife's no spring chicken either. Fair question. And yet, when he hears it, the angel Gabriel gets indignant. I stand in the presence of God, he says to Zechariah. I was sent here to talk to you, but now because you did not believe what I had to say, You yourself will not be doing much talking until all these things come true. This, of course, is how we meet Zechariah in our text that Steve read a moment ago. Mute, speechless, unable to use any of his words because of his lack of faith. But his lack of faith In what exactly? In his and his wife Elizabeth's ability to bear a child? Sure. But at the same time, and perhaps even more noteworthy, is his lack of faith in Gabriel and in what he had to say. Gabriel certainly took note of it. I stand in the presence of God, he says. I was sent here to tell you these things. And it's this gap between these two characters that I actually find so interesting. On one side, we have Zechariah, a man who cannot believe what he has just heard. And on the other, the angel Gabriel, 
An angel who quite literally can't believe that Zechariah can't believe what he has just heard. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent here to tell you this. How can you imagine that I would lie? In other words, how can you imagine that I could lie? Speech in Scripture is a powerful thing. Words do things. They create in both John and in Genesis. Creation in the beginning comes by the spoken word. When God decides to redeem the world's people through Israel, that process begins with a conversation with Abraham. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you yourself will be a blessing. Even in the life of the church, Speech is active and alive, for as Paul writes to the Corinthians, it is through the foolishness of preaching that God works to save those who believe. At the same time, however, speech in this world can also destroy, just as it can build up. In the garden, it is by clever speech that the serpent convinces Adam and Eve to eat the forbidden fruit. In the story of the Tower of Babel, it's the people's speech that God has to confound in order to curtail their wickedness. In Isaiah 6, when the prophet first sees the Lord in his temple, he is afraid not because of the works of his hands, but instead because of the words of his mouth. Woe is me, he says, for I am a man of unclean lips. And in Matthew 15, when Jesus sees the scrupulousness of the religious authorities around him, he reminds them that it is not what goes into a mouth that makes it unclean, but instead what then comes out of it. Thus it is in our fallen and fractured world. But not in Gabriel's. In Gabriel's world, in the kingdom, words are perfect. Words are pure. Speech only helps. It never hurts. It heals. It doesn't harm. It is beautiful and it is always and everywhere true. And whenever we're given a glimpse of that world, Whenever we are shown a vision of the kingdom of God and we are allowed to listen in, what do we hear but song? In both Old Testament and New, the life of the kingdom, the community gathered there together as one, gathered around God's throne in perfect love. They sing. Day and night, without ceasing, they sing. 
And so it's only appropriate that in our text this morning, once Zechariah is given his voice back after losing it because he had doubted the words of the angel, he too sings. The text calls it a prophecy, and of course it's that as well, but it is a song. It's poetic. It's lyrical. It would have almost certainly been sung in the earliest church's services. And it's laid out in verses in our Bibles in order to reflect that. Given his speech back, Zechariah sings. He sings of the Lord's promises and the Lord's faithfulness. He sings of the Lord's love and of salvation. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked with favor on his people and redeemed them. He's raised up for us a mighty Savior in the house of his servant David. He has shown the mercy promised, promised to our ancestors, and he's remembered his holy covenant so that we might serve him without fear, holy and righteous, all the days of our lives. I too would have sang that for y'all just now, but on this side of the kingdom, the only kind of singing solo I ever do is singing so low that none of you can hear me. But friends, it's only appropriate That on this morning, four weeks into Advent and six days from welcoming the Christ child, we who are here join our voices together and sing. That we fill this room with song and with music because the one whose birth we will celebrate next weekend is the one who has come to usher us all into that joyful world. The one who has come to open the door to the kingdom for everyone who is in here and everyone who is out there and for everyone who has ever been and for everyone who ever will be. The one who in his very being is in fact God's great love song to us. So it's good on this day that we use our voices like Zechariah and like Gabriel and like all of the rest of God's faithful and we sing. That we sing good songs and that we sing true songs, that we look ahead to Christmas and ahead to the kingdom, that we use our voices and our words as perfectly as we possibly can to love God And to proclaim to the world around us the good news of God's great love for us. Thanks be to God. Amen.